Hello. Welcome and thank you for joining us and listening to our podcast, The God Beyond the Bible. Our podcast is released weekly each Friday. The content of each episode is based on the questions and curiosities we all have about God and the Bible. Many of our topics are considered taboo in the minds of the mainstream church. You will find our discussions to be, I think, refreshing and often far from traditional. But we don't just skirt around these complex issues, but confront them head on, and not in the way you're used to hearing them discussed on typical Christian talk shows. I'm Alan Rowland, creator and host of The God Beyond the Bible. As of the launch of this podcast, I've been a pastor for more than 35 years. My co-host is my daughter, Trayson, and our engineer, co-producer, is my daughter, Tabitha. Our mission is to encourage our audience, along with us, to open our minds to the reality that God is simply too big to be fully explored or experienced by the reading and studying of a single ancient work. In short, the Bible's not the sum of God, and to think this is to limit what He has done, is doing, and what He will do in our future. So with introductions made, thank you for listening, and let's dive into the topic of the day. Okay, welcome Seekers to episode 95 of God Beyond the Bible. We sincerely hope our little podcast is a blessing and encouragement as we navigate this journey of life while pursuing this exceeding great and good energy and power that we so generically refer to as God. And by the way, this one's going to come out about Christmas Day, some on or about, right? Yes, it'll probably come out okay. on Christmas Eve. Right, so Merry Christmas, yeah, <laughs> everybody. <yes. laughs> So our shout outs this week are to Denisa from Columbus, Ohio. Welcome. We're glad to have you on board. Definitely. And our quote of the week is, if you think you're too small to make a difference, try sleeping with a mosquito. It's from the Dalai Lama. <laughs> That's pretty good. I like yeah. that. Well, last episode, we discussed the topic of emotional investment. Uh, the best takeaway from that discussion may be that we do have a limited emotional energy. And we should invest that energy wisely, avoiding attaching emotion to people and things that only drain our emotional energy and have no potential to ever make a return on our investment. Did any of y'all find yourselves after that last one, like every little yeah, thing? Oh okay. Yeah. yeah, I'm not going to emotionally invest. I'm not going to invest in that. That guy's an idiot. I'm yep. not going to invest. <laughs> okay. Well, this episode. Oh, that was an investment. Yeah. Was. <laughs> this episode, we'd like to talk about the four appetites of life and how important it is to balance these appetites. So let's just jump right in by listing the four appetites of life that we are born with and we spend our life trying to balance and satisfy. And they are our physical appetite, our emotional appetite, our intellectual appetite, and our spiritual appetite. Or we can even say our physical hunger, emotional, intellectual, and spiritual hunger. So when we say that we are born with these appetites... We realize that some of these are really not addressed until we're in our youth or even our adulthood, but they've always been in us. Of course, we know that we are born with a physical appetite. As infants, we demand food and we want to be comfortable or else we'll react with one of the few responses we have. We'll cry. That's it. As an infant, uh, we have an emotional appetite. Babies want to be held close. Just like our appetite for food, the need to be loved develops with age. And just to note here, it is of our opinion that even if we can't remember our emotional appetite going unaddressed, just as nutritional neglect impacts our development, emotional neglect has an impact on our development as a balanced human being. 
do we reflect our intellectual appetite as infants? Oh, yeah, we of do. Of course, yeah. Mm. Infants are awed by the smallest discoveries, like when they discover they have control over their own hands, and they learn that they can curl their feet and grab them with their hands and pull them to their mouth. That's satisfying the intellectual appetite to learn and discover new things. Well, and I think that's a lot of the reason that we really get frustrated with toddlers a lot because they're into everything. They're just exploring. Yeah. Can you imagine waking up every morning and going, wow, am I going to learn about a new animal or a new color or a new word? You know, the whole world is just this giant discovery. Well, and we'll talk about it later, but we should we should encourage that. Yes. Uh, we should encourage, I think, that uh, curiosity. Uh, curiosity. Yeah, that's what I was looking for. So the fourth appetite is our spiritual appetite. And it's there, but it's usually a little later in surfacing and developing. But the curiosity of where we came from and why we're here will come with time. This spiritual appetite is often confused with intellectual hunger, and it is fed with an intellectual food, if you will, which doesn't satisfy a spiritual hunger. Now, these four appetites, physical, emotional, intellectual, and spiritual, have some things in common. Uh, the greatest thing they all have in common is they are appetites. Well, we've already said that, but an appetite is only satisfied on a temporary basis. You know, sometimes we act like in some of these areas that we can quench them and yeah. satisfy them once <laughs> yeah. and for all. And they're all appetites. They they have to be continuously, you know, they're, they're, they'll reoccur. So an appetite is only satisfied on a temporary basis. We all know that we can eat a meal and satisfy our appetite but only for a period of time, and we'll be hungry again. You know, you laughed about, I think it was, I saw Jerry Seinfeld do a, a little clip on a deal. He said, you know, uh, always when I was growing up, don't ru- you'll ruin your appetite. You're going to ruin your appetite. Yeah. Don't eat that. That'll ruin your appetite. And he said, I've always discovered there was another one came right back after. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> he said, sometimes now as an adult, I call mom and say, hey, mom, it's before dinner, and I'm eating cookies. I'm ruining my appetite. <laughs> okay, the same is true of emotional appetite. When someone hugs us and tells us they love us, it's very satisfying. But a single hug and I love you uh, can't sustain us for a long period. Uh, We desire it regularly. It has to be reinforced. Yeah, And the same applies to our intellectual appetite. We may become interested in a subject and learn a great deal about it. But at the same time, as we digest what we learn, we feel that desire to know more. And when we think we've exhausted a subject, we move on to new things to learn. Our spiritual appetite follows that same model. We experience a breakthrough or have a discovery, and that satisfies us temporarily. But hunger to experience a wider awakening soon follows. So the question before us is, are these four appetites connected? And if we're not actively feeding one of these appetites, does it cause us to overindulge, if you will, in one or more of the others? In other words, if these four areas are fed and balanced, does that contribute to a balanced life as a whole? If so, we may try to understand and address these appetites so that we can kind of discover the secret to a well-rounded life. We will talk about this and more in part two. And welcome to part two of episode 95 of God Beyond the Bible. Today we're talking about the four appetites of life. They are physical hunger, emotional hunger, intellectual hunger, and spiritual hunger. 
To put it in terms of hunger and appetite, does a balanced diet in each of these areas lead to a balanced and peaceful life? And does a deficiency in one of these areas trigger an overindulgence in the other area? In other words, if we neglect to satisfy one area, are we prone to react by overcompensating in one of the other areas of appetite? I am. Yeah, I think everyone is to a degree, for sure. So let's approach it from this angle. Let's imagine that we tend to overindulge in physical appetites, and that can be food or sex or pursuit of material wealth and gain. Is it possible that we would overindulge in a physical appetite to compensate for, let's say, an emotional deficit? In other words, we don't feel loved, so we overcompensate with lots of physical relationships or even literally overeat because of a lack in emotional satisfaction, or since we feel slighted because we haven't experienced emotional satisfaction, so we compensate by pursuing material wealth because we think that will make us acceptable and desirable. You're always kind of trying to fill that hole when something's out of balance, you know. So Luke chapter 2 is where we often go this time of year to read the most popular story of Jesus' birth. Luke chapter 2 basically covers the first 30 years or so of Jesus' life, and it's the last verse of Luke 2 that is very interesting, and it really doesn't get much attention. Luke chapter 2 verse 52 reads, And Jesus increased in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and man. So to put it in order of our list, Luke summed up Jesus' development from a child that we know little to nothing about to an adult that we know the most about with one statement. Jesus grew in stature, and that stature, and that means that his physical appetites were sufficiently met. He, he, he was healthy that way. He grew in favor with man. That means his relationships, to me, his relationships were such that it met his emotional appetites. Yes, he had yeah. the kind of love and gave the love and found the kind of love that he needed to develop. He grew in wisdom. His intellectual curiosities and discoveries were sufficiently met. And he grew in favor with God. This is his spiritual appetite being met. And it's hard for us to imagine that Jesus needed to develop in these areas. But he was human. But he had to be human. And mm-hmm. he had to he mm-hmm. had to he had to have our experience. So, you know, there's these unrealistic uh, and I don't want to offend our Catholic friends, but there's some some of these unrealistic, like the infancy of Christ and all of this stuff that yes. are that are written that are that are not. Mm-hmm. We we don't have that. Right. And he's doing all these miracles as a baby and as a child. He's doing all. And I'm not saying none of that's true, but that that makes him not a person. Right. Well, I go through and I had a conversation with someone recently where they were going, but Christ was part God so he didn't really experience things the way we did and I'm like if he didn't experience things the way that we experienced them then what was the point of it yeah it's yeah the point is moot then so you know we have to ask why Luke chose to make this narrative statement but then we remember that Luke was neither a Jew nor was he a disciple as far as we know he was a doctor and an historian Luke seemed to be making a subtle but profound statement concerning the four appetites of humanity. And as many do today, some may conclude that Jesus' spirituality was all that was necessary, yet Luke was sure to point out all the areas of development and that all were in harmony and balance. So whether we choose to believe it or not, to have the full human experience, Jesus had to develop just like any other person develops. A great deal of that critical development would have been the responsibility of his mother and father. And until Jesus was of the age to make his own developmental choices, he was at the mercy of his parents. 
They fed him when he was hungry. They fed him emotionally. He needed to be loved and comforted. They were responsible for his intellectual development, and they set the course for his spirituality. That's a tall order for any parent, not to mention if your son happens to be the promised Messiah for the nation of Israel and the hope of all generations for a relationship with God. And can you guys imagine the kind of stress that Mary and Joseph had to have felt? Maybe not, though. You don't think so? I like the deals about Mary that says and she pondered these things in her heart. Mary just seemed to me like she was just super calm. She got this affirmation, remember. She knew his identity, and she knew her identity. Mm -hmm. She got an identity affirmation, something that many of us don't get. But Mary, you are chosen. This child is so... Well, and sometimes I don't think we think enough about the fact that Mary was chosen for this. So she had to have something... Well, she got... she got Special something. She had that affirmation. That's all she needed was the affirmation of her identity, of who she was, and who who Christ was going to be. And let me say something about when we said, oh, well, but they didn't. What did they do? Send him to school? Actually, and I, I, I... As I've got older, I've come to believe this. Jesus actually attended rabbinical school mm-hmm. he was actually a rabbi mm-hmm. because the other rabbis called him rabbi mm-hmm. yeah they would never do that if you know we think we actually act like well he was just this bivocational guy that came in uh-uh. he had to have he he opened the scrolls and read in the temple you don't get to just walk out of the yeah you don't walk in off ice. the street and open the scrolls and start reading i don't care who you are and that's the reason he was able to teach in the temple. Only rabbis, teachers, that's what that means. Mm-hmm. Only rabbis taught in the temple. Mm-hmm. So so Jesus had a very extensive understanding yes. of the Jewish religion. Mm-hmm. Very clear understanding. Am I six? You are. Well, let's talk about our role as influences in the, in the child development area. Uh, might it help us to better raise our children if we have an understanding of the driving force inside them? And that's their appetites. Uh, what are the long-term developmental effects on children that are raised deficient in one area and maybe overemphasis in another? As hard as it is for some of us to imagine, there are children who grow up lacking in their most basic physical appetites being met. There are children who are literally hungry. There are children who grow up never knowing if they will have enough to eat. And we don't think this ever happens, but it actually does. I know people personally that have told me when they were young, uh, there never was. They never knew if there was going to be enough in the house wow. to have dinner or whether they were going to even talk about dinner. Uh, and, and, and these children often literally did eat at school. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, the that school was lunches, their, that, was that, was, that, was, that was their nourishment. Uh, so there are children who grow up never knowing if they will have enough to eat. Often these same children lack in their need for physical comfort being met. You know, other physical appetites, things like, you know, running water and electricity, sufficient heating and cooling, proper clothing to protect them from the elements. The effects of growing up in this environment have to be devastating to balance development. Yeah. So what about their emotional needs? Children need the security of knowing that they are loved. They need the words and the actions that meet their emotional appetite. Unfortunately, many children grow up with their physical appetites being met, yet they are deficient in emotional support and reassurance, and this has long life impact on those who are raised this way. They often don't know how to express emotion, and can re- it can render them unable to develop and maintain healthy and balanced relationships. And, you know, I was reading some things that they say that 
a lot of the generation that came particularly before dad suffered a lot of that lack of no emotional- i did no i did but yes, well, your generation I did. I as mean, well. I, I, it was a generation before me, and I'm sure they were treated the yes. same way. Yeah. How many people do you hear from my generation say, well, my, my folks were good providers. Mm-hmm. We never did lack any. We never did lack any. We always had plenty to eat and had a roof over our head. We just well, stopped short of saying, but. Yeah. <laughs> but it started, you know, in infanthood with things like, let the baby cry it out. You don't go in and check on them when they're crying. You don't hold your baby too much because you'll spoil them. I mean, those are things that babies need to be held. They're in a whole new world and everything is uncomfortable. Mm. They need that comfort. But um, are we on number eight? Yeah, we're on number eight. Okay. So we all know the price of not meeting the intellectual hunger of a child. It's far more than merely providing a good education. It is crucial to encourage the natural appetite to learn. Help them develop curiosity and discover how and why things work the way they do. The intellectual appetite cannot be satisfied with the statement of historical, scientific, or mathematical fact. We should strive to enhance that hunger to learn and discover, not merely sustain it on a diet of facts and figures. The strict educational approach to satisfying our children's intellectual appetite may be why many children grow disenchanted and perform poorly in our system of one-size-fits-all modern education. Mm-hmm. Well, and, and that's true, and, and uh, I think that's where I'm not, and it's easy to sit back and be an armchair quarterback, but you just think about it. It's all about learning these facts, learning these figures, learning these deals. We're, you know, not and I realize, but we're the greatest teachers, probably the ones that are the greatest are the ones that can pique the curiosity of the children that they want to know why, mm-hmm. not just here, we're gonna pour this out here, come and eat out of it, come and right. eat what we pour you out here, you know, well, what about spiritual development? uh what about the child's development of a sense of being a small part of a much bigger scheme? Uh, that appetite, because actually, I'll be honest with you, I've discovered this in life. What we are is we become, we are a world that we think we're in this alone. We're disconnected from everybody else in the world. Yeah. Yes. That's. I mean, we raise our children that way, often disconnected. We often are raised that way ourselves. That appetite that creates a sense that there is more going on around us than our mere five senses can detect. For the most part, we tend to rely on an organized religion and the doctrines and dogmas associated with them to satisfy that hunger. Unfortunately, that approach neither satisfies the hunger nor does it encourage higher spiritual pursuits outside its creed and dogma. You know, uh, it's another, again, it's almost an intellectual feeding. Yeah. We're and just you know, going to, we're going to give you facts and figures and we're going to yeah. tell you and we're going to indoctrinate you. We're going to give you all the reasons. We're going to tell you everything. Where's the curiosity? saying do not explore on your own no 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 maybe if we would recognize these four basic appetites that are so important to our children's development of a balanced and happy life we could do better by them the environment in which they are raised is going to determine whether we give them a boost towards happiness and contentment or whether they'll spend much of their life trying to overcome the deficiency of their childhood development. I like a quote that goes around. Um, I've seen it on social media, but it's something like, it's easier to raise a strong child than repair a broken adult. 
Very well, that's true. true. And true. and let's be honest, biggest part of us are broken. I mean, even with you girls, there are things that I didn't know how to parent. My your mom well. and I didn't know how to parent, and left you deficient in some of these. If you know, this is something you learn. It's a shame we have to learn these late, late in life. Yeah. That we have to pick these up. So I'm not picking on any parents out there that if you've made, nobody's made more mistakes than me as far as. I was going to say, I'm still raising mine and I can look back and see, you know. Oh, I wish I hadn't done that. do things so much differently. I was with Blake the other day and I I told him we were down at the lake and we were at a place, we were down at Devil's Fork, which is a little recreation place. And I said, Blake, this is where Papa, the first and only time Papa ever spatted you for getting in the water and I said I spatted you and grabbed you by the arm put you in the van and we left but I said that was wrong I felt bad about that he said no pop off you told me not to do I said you know I told you not to get in the water and first thing you did is went down there and got in the water you know at the and it was cold it was cold weather yeah. winter and I said uh, I said but no that's a wrong reaction and and he and I had a discussion in front of Bailey about it I said no Papa's always felt bad about that I should have just explained to you I sh- yeah there should have been consequences but I said Hitting is not the answer. No. I said, I didn't want you grow. After I did that, I didn't want you growing up thinking that that's how you, every time you're frustrated, you hit. Right. You strike. Yeah. I don't want, you know, and I said, that, that's not how we handle, that's not how we handle things in our frustration. Anyway, is that the end of it? That is the end. Okay. We'll end right of part back. two. Okay. We'll be right back with part three. <laughs> And welcome to the third and final part of episode 95 of God Beyond the Bible. Today we have presented the concept that our life is a product of how we have utilized and developed the four basic appetites of humanity that we are born with and are the driving force behind our entire life. In part two, we talked about the importance and Wow. We talked about the importance of recognizing and addressing these appetites in children. In this segment, uh, we'd like to take what we've learned and reflect on our own lives in these areas. We stated that it is of our opinion that a balance in these four areas leads to balance and happiness in life. And a deficiency in any of these areas may result in us seeking to fill that void by overemphasis on one or more of the other uh, areas. Of course, the four appetites of humanity are physical, emotional, intellectual, and spiritual appetite. Mm-hmm. And these appetites may be looked at as voids or vacuums in our lives that des- in our lives that desire to be filled. Our physical desires are pretty evident, and they usually get first-rate attention. We get physically hungry. We tend to that need before pursuing fulfillment in another area. The same way with physical comfort. These physical appetites are part of the physical body that tend to demand being addressed before we can pursue the satisfaction of our less evident appetites. Yeah, have you ever tried to take a test when you're hungry? Uh, yeah. It doesn't, <laughs> doesn't work out well. Well, I think isn't there a place in the Bible that says, you know, don't just tell your friend's hungry, don't just say, I'm going to pray for you. I'm paraphrasing here. But meet his need yeah yeah get his get him something to eat mm-hmm. and that's, then you might be able to talk to him about something spiritual but you're certainly not right if he's starving to death you know so our emotional appetite is just as strong but it's more difficult to fill that void we want to share we want someone to share our love and our appreciation with we want to love and we want to know that we are loved the difficulty we have in this area may be 
that we always look to conditional relationships to fill this void. By conditional, we mean the love that we are willing to commit and the love that we receive in return is based on things that are subject to change. In other words, I love you just the way things are right now and you love me just the way things are right now. But if circumstances change, our love may change also. This type of love is really connected to our ego and it is as unpredictable as our ego as well. Unconditional love is all that will ever fully satisfy that appetite to love others without it being contingent on circumstance and to receive the same type of love is the appetite that desires to be satisfied. Now, are we feeding our intellectual appetite? Are there folks who grow intellectually stagnant? Someone said that when our childlike curiosity for the world around us dies, we die. We become intellectual robots. We become complacent about developing new interests and sort of subconsciously think that we've learned all we need to to get by in the world. In this world of access to knowledge at our fingertips, we are in danger of becoming intellectual spectators instead of being curious explorers. When we feed that intellectual appetite with childlike curiosity and discovery, we stay young and vibrant, intellectually speaking. Mm -hmm. And what about our spiritual appetite? Is this another area of our human development that we have more or less become complacent spectators instead of enthusiastic pursuers? To be honest, our modern approach to feeding our spiritual appetite has become, you know, more than just a little lazy. We more or less just show up for the show. We seem content to pay someone else to engage us or really engage on our behalf spiritually. Now, there's nothing wrong with listening to an inspiring lecture, but this will always leave us void of personal spiritual fulfillment. In this organized religious approach, there is no enthusiasm or curiosity for new discovery, just reinforcement of the same religious dogma over and over. And we can easily become spiritually malnourished. I think we've got a lot of spiritually malnourished folks. We do, but it's really frowned upon to sort of try and fill those spiritual appetites outside of what's you know indoctrinated into us it would be it would to me it's the equivalent of having something you really like to eat you Mm -hmm. start out really loving it you like to eat but you get fed the same thing over and over again and even if it's this let's say two or three times a week the same meal i don't eat the same thing three times a week right i grow bored in my appetite, in my, in my physical appetite. Mm-hmm. And I think people do in their spiritual appetites. I think it's, you know, I think if you just keep getting fed the same diet of, of Jesus died for you on the cross, you're bad, God's good. Jesus died, <laughs> yes. Jesus died on the cross so God can love you and right. all of this stuff. And you just get that diet. It, it's like all of a sudden, this mm-hmm. is not nourishing anymore. Exactly. What number am I, guys? Seven. I'm lost. So... What might one do to get balance in fulfilling the four appetites that we all have as humanity? I think the first step may be to acknowledge that they exist and that these appetites are placed in us by God for our own personal development and personal peace and fulfillment. Even our physical appetites are important to a full and well-balanced life. The truth is that we can overemphasize any one of these four appetites and suffer in the process. The key is moderation. People can become overeaters and physical pleasure seekers, but we can 
also become obsessed with any of the other three and our life is totally out of balance. Now, as praiseworthy as pursuing spirituality is, to put it in the words of the late and great Jerry Clower, we can become so heavenly minded that we are no earthly good. Uh, we can study and become the greatest intellectual authority in a myriad of subjects, yet uh, we, if we can't effectively apply that knowledge in real life, it's useless. We can spend our whole life chasing the, an, an emotional relationship only to suffer disappointment because our expectation for personal fulfillment is not met. This kind of reminds me of something that Paul wrote about charity. He talked about that love is the answer to it all. He said, if I could speak with all the languages of the world and yet I have not charity, I'm empty. Yes. He was really talking about, he was talking about his fulfillment. He wasn't talking about what it does to other people. He was talking about his personal fulfillment, that he wasn't fulfilled, it seems to me, in that, in that passage. We will always have these appetites to deal with. They're important for us to have balance in our life. If we lack fulfillment in an area, we should address it, or else we may be prone to overemphasize it in another area to compensate for an unsatisfied appetite. We have control over these appetites, and we have the ability to keep them in check so that we don't become imbalanced in our lives with giving one area priority over the others. When properly managed and maintained, balance and harmony in these areas of life can mean balance and harmony in life. And I think this is a good time for a quote by Oscar Wilde. Okay. All things in moderation, including moderation. (laughs) (laughs) So... As always, until next time, may God's unconditional grace, peace, and love be on, in, and radiate out from each of you, our fellow seekers, from all of us here at God Beyond the Bible. Did you enjoy listening to God Beyond the Bible? Do you have an idea for an episode? Connect with us today. Visit our website at godbeyondthebible.com, all one word, or send us an email at email at godbeyondthebible.com, or you can visit us on Facebook. Just type God Beyond the Bible into the search bar.